Hello, I'm here with Daniela Greenwood. And I'm here with Murray Voicey Barlin. What a joy to be here with Murray Voicey Barlin. How are you, Murray? I'm very good, and what a joy it is to be with you. And um, <laughs> today, we're going to talk about who cares about gender identification, gender equality, gender identity, pronouns. I mean, who cares about these things? Well, I tell you what, Rob Hardy certainly does. He certainly does, especially in relation to the experience of health and healthcare in Australia. Uh, so we're referring back to a discussion that um, Ash had uh, with mm-hmm. Rob Hardy from LHA, and I looked up that website, and mm-hmm. I was—I have to say, I knew very little about this work. Um, I looked it up too, Moz, and yeah. I'm going to come clean. I hadn't heard of it. Mm. One of the things that was funny for me when I knew this subject was coming up, um, I I didn't know, and I've had a chat about this, I think, a while ago, about pronouns, you know, like, mm-hmm. and my, it was our 10-year-old daughter that brought the conversation to the dinner table because one of her friends doesn't identify as a she or her. And Marley, also my daughter, wanted to to be referred to as them or they. So that was a discussion that I was like, wow, okay, um, that's really interesting because I hadn't thought much about this, much to the shame uh, of myself, I think. And so it was really good to, to hear uh, this. So what, uh, what was your take-home message from all this? That's a great question. The, um, first of all, I'll say he was there on behalf of, and I'm not going to lie, I'm reading this because I wrote, I, I wrote this, just this one sentence before we started. He's, it's the peak body for LGBTIQ+, but in relation to aged care, mm. they leave out the Q, so it's LGBTI+. Yeah. And the reason for that um, is some work that they did with older people, um, who've been through sort of the 40s, 50s, 60s, as he spoke about, um, and have a terrible, terrible memory of uh, the word queer and what yeah. and how that feels and how it was used in jokes and um, how it was used, people could lose their jobs and go to jail, but mostly how it was used really disparagingly. There's some other words for other marginalised groups that come to mind for that. So... This generation has tried to reclaim that word and like own it and use it the way they want to use it. But for that older generation, it's still got too much, um, just too much hurt attached. So that was something really interesting to learn. But I, I loved um, the idea of a passport and, and I also love it for everybody, every, every individual. But the one thing that struck me is you know, when he was saying there needs to be a minimum standard of uh, staff training, we need to work on culture um, and it has to be really sensitive in terms of um, when people are, when any of us would would want to share personal information around this, especially Mm. if we've had to keep things secret. And, of course, it all ended up with building a rapport with a person or persons that are going to be supporting you. Um, And he's exact, so that he said, so that trust is built. And I, I don't know, Moz, but would you agree, I think, since the beginning of us talking about this, from even talking about the economics of aged care, um, around workforce strategy, around art-based, uh, all of it somehow, at the end of the day, 
comes down to that as a bottom line. Do you, do you think that's yeah. kind of close? I think it's spot on. I mean, it is all about forming relationships and bonds and understanding individuals and their preferences. I mean, this is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And this hammers home, I think, um, a community that uh, has probably um, been left more so behind in many ways. Now, I know it's arguable. I know we could argue about varying communities. You know, I think there's a, a number. But I was really taken um, by the idea of the passport. I think that was a very, yeah. very good idea. And like you thought, well, we, I want a passport. Yeah, I do too. I want a passport. And in that I'd want to list many things, songs the way I like my my preferred interaction style, I call it, you know. I don't want to be mollycoddled and spoken to respectfully. I want to be racked up and provoked and prodded and have a bit of a, a laugh. And I think that... Um, Mostly I want to, to find out, Moz, so I have to interrupt because I need to know on your passport when they mm-hmm. said, um, but you could write on what one of the prompting questions was, music I'd never want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There are some songs that will trigger some intense behaviours from Maurice Voicey Barlin if you play them. Um, That's whether or not you've got any kind of dementia diagnosis or cog, and that would happen now probably. So if you were stuck in, maybe in a wheelchair or in, at a table mm-hmm. and you couldn't get away, what music do you, you want to know the song? You go, oh. I'm going to give the ammunition to my family to do that to me? <laughs> never. I'm never telling you. <laughs> Rightio, I'm already popping on the music. You do want to hear Sound of Music, Andre Rue? <laughs> Okay, I admit it. Put it on my passport. <laughs> on this passport idea, I think this is this is a no-brainer. This is such a great idea, and and I can't speak highly enough of the idea like you. Um, but one of the things that really did touch me was when Rob said many LGBTI elders have experienced violence, isolation, and stigma throughout their lives. So very often they may not or cannot disclose their identities or histories. As a result, mm. many remain invisible in the aged care setting. And I, this, when you, it, that is that is awful to think that people would need to hide. In the latter part of their lives, they'd be going in and forgetting or hiding um, themselves, you know, and, and not disclosing this. I mean, of course, it's people's rights, right not to. Yeah. But then, of course, you know, like living that lie that people talk, they feel they live in society, then having to do that in their, their final years. And, and I just well, find yeah. that, that that distressful, really. That's and, what oh, RAC is just, a, um, residential aged care is just a, um, it's just a microcosm of that society. So it's going to just be a, a repeat of, um, of, of what is yeah. happening in the broader community. And I think, um, again, I'm going to come back to relationships of trust. What I personally um, don't think should happen is to do, um, you know, quite quite an extensive sexuality assessment on day one and then you can tick the box to say, yes, we've, we've, we've done our sexuality assessment. In the real world, um, what I found in practice and through, and through talking to staff, is that we're in that a relationship of trust when you feel like you trust that person, you can share more. And believe it or not, it doesn't happen 
as much between it happens so frequently with cleaners and that's not a joke <laughs> yeah cleaners who come in without judgment and just cleaning the floor and have you know um it's, it, it's more likely to be in those to, rather than hierarchical relationships it's much more likely to be in a relationship of trust that feels like you're just having a chat with an equal yeah and 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 it's funny that i may have said this before that very often i mean when i go into a service i'm i'm i'm, I'm navigating a whole a hierarchy and, and 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 all courts sorts of circles of of influence there but one of i i often will go for the cleaners and the kitchen staff i want to particularly the cleaners because they do interact they know stuff they're working differently and they have different relationships um and because they're cleaning a room they're not cleaning a human you know they yeah, yeah, you totally. know it, it's weird but it's but it's totally. different and i did there was a, a person once a cleaner that we we knew nothing about this this um fellow and and the and we, we were struggling um to interact with it. he wasn't able to verbalize in his communication and we couldn't sort of get any responses from him that were that we could comprehend because he wasn't interested in what we were talking about and the cleaner said oh he loves poodles he used to breed poodles there's a book in his bottom drawer and we're like oh thank you we're going that there's the poodle book and then that was the beginning of everything and that was from a cleaner who lovingly overheard listened and participated when the family came in on the weekends yeah yeah so my question to you, proposed Minister of Ageing, should we be encouraging services that solely cater to people that identify in the LGBTI community or should we be working for all services to be inclusive providers? What do we that's, want here? Well, that's the question, isn't it? And they asked, Moz, they asked exactly the same question when they set up Italian-specific and Greek-specific. And, mm. and the two sides of what you just discussed then um, are, are where it's at. Because aged care should be a reflection of the diversity that is already existing in our community, of course it should work for everyone. Mm. Um, um, having said that, there are some LGBTI um, citizens who do prefer to be around other people who are LGBTI. Mm. And I think if, if, if they had, and maybe especially if they were feeling vulnerable, that they might uh, feel safer with their extra vulnerability in the context of feeling more vulnerable. I think um, having that choice, but not giving... Um, Aged, uh, aged care organisations that choice. Mm, you don't get yeah, to yeah, be, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, we've covered this, we've got one in Bendigo that's, yeah. that's for those people. And yeah, the we've rest done of that. The, we've yeah, it. For everybody else. So yeah. I, I think 100% there should be um, definitely a bar, especially now we're going toward whatever this cute consumerist thing is. But I think we need to have, when you advertise in those aged care things, every there should be little icons that are easy that you can read without knowing English. One that suggests that you've passed the minimum bar for what is required for the LGBTI community. One that shows you've got passed a minimum bar in terms of language, translators, food to um, for the cold community. One that shows a minimum bar that you've got consistency um, in strict consistency in staffing, like. Um, 
sort, sorts of things like that. So the consumer doesn't have to read millions of reports. They can just go, oh, that one's not important to me, but that one really is. So they, that's for me, that's a better way to benchmark than the yeah. dubious nature of stars and things. I think people should have to pass a bar in all of these areas um, and so that consumers can, because he did say it's really tricky for LGBTI um, people looking for a new home to know who to trust. Yeah, I, I mean, I support having both. I think that's a good idea. And I have worked at, you know, uh, cultural-specific um, services as well. And um, and I think it's important to cater for that. But, yeah, I, I look, Rob, Rob also talked very wisely about training. And when he talked about training, I liked that he referred to training that was one-off not being effective. Yeah. Because, and he said because of staff turnover was one issue there's many more issues in, in one-off training than that it doesn't sink in it doesn't settle um you move on from it and he talked about ongoing training which i think is a great model for all training to be honest with you it always reminds me of uh, when i hear those things yep you're going to learn all about dementia in three hours see ya and then you tick the dementia training box. It's like those people who go on bus trips of Europe, you know, see Europe in a week. <laughs> <laughs> I got my badge. Dementia Marshal. Who's the Dementia Marshal here? Who's the LGBTI Marshal? I mean, this this is absurd that that we are they we calling have... it Marshal now, Marshal? No, just, I'm just suggesting. You know how you have a you have the you know the safety Marshal, you have the COVID Marshal. Yeah, I think. they they used we to call them champions. Oh. But, and this is and there, so a little bit of extra work, but they could go home and say to their partners, oh, I've been made champion, but no extra money. It's like when you get employee of the month, <laughs> which I never got, I remind you. So if Ace, Colin, if you're listening as CEO, I employed the month, I'm campaigning now for myself. When you're at McDonald's, you never got employee of the month? No, I've never gotten employee of the month ever anywhere I've worked. Did you get free food? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking about when I was in Sydney about a chap I'll call Rod who I couldn't figure out. He had this incredible level of fear. He was in a, a memory support unit or a dementia-specific mm -hmm. unit, as we call them, and, and, and he was a beautiful gentleman, really tall man and very well-spoken. And uh, to me, I, I, I was fairly confident in guessing that I felt that he identified as a gay man but I, I would never check. I would never ask. Her. And and there were, and and I asked my partner, my my lifestyle buddy, and she said, "Yes, he does. But he's living in fear that mm. people will find out." And his whole modus operandi was around fear and checking. He was he always says, "Am I safe? Am I going to be safe here?" And oh, it was yeah, it was so so hard. So we worked really hard at making him feel really good and um and feeling safe. And, and taking him outside and having his cigar with him, and uh, I hate cigars, but I'd been, I love I'd, cigars. Ah, but I sat with him. We sat with him, and and we talked about times with him. And we talked about areas that he frequented around Oxford Street, and spoke about things around in a, in an indirect manner, so that he felt like he could contribute. But one day, Daniela, he I asked him who this little he had a little picture on the sideboard of a little boy in some sort of Asian country. And and I I was asking who it was. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. In this beautiful way of speaking, I, I I don't know who that is. And I said, let's have a look. And I've done it many times, and it's never worked. But this moment where I took off the back of the cover, there it was written, 
His name aged eight years. His name? Right. Yes, it was him in the picture. I I was sure it was, but someone had actually written it, you know, Rod aged eight years in and the country. And he cried. Oh, it's me! It's me! I said, "Yes, oh it's you." Gosh. And, and his and and it, although it was tied to his identity as a boy, it was tied to identity. You know, that's what was yeah, so yeah. important that he had a belonging for a man that didn't belong. And he would have lived through some very, very difficult times as a gay man mm-hmm. in Sydney. You know, he would have lived through some terrible stuff. But I, I think the takeaway from what you just said is always write on the back of photos. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and that always is so find true. a way to to label. You we take a million photos, label your photos, um, so that people don't have to, and you don't have to go through them. People one day, people won't be going through albums; they'll be going through your digital files. So name them properly. I name all my photos. You know, Marley out the back with. Bronte and the date because oh, you know why I do you always remember. do everything so perfect Mark, I don't every I time don't. that you do come <laughs> I don't on, it's I live in it. chaos your my wife will tell you I live in chaos and the no. one thing I can order is the subject title in emails and the little file extensions that's what I can control <laughs> but I do have one closing call to arms before mm-hmm. we, we finish off yeah I'm wondering if the LGBTIQ community knowing um, the history and the isolation of um, older citizens in in aged care who are LGBTI, uh, if they've got a plan for visiting a national visitors plan mm, for people yeah. who are, because um, they've obviously formed a group and there's many groups, I would like to know what they're doing to, to ensure that LGBTI members um, living in residential aged care are not isolated, that they get visits, how amazing that would be. Um, I'm sure I'm sure they've got a plan for it, but if not, it has to be a priority. Same with the called community and same with, you know, mm. all of us should be doing that, but I'm thinking of this one particular group. What is their plan for a whole volunteering schedule? Because that's going to make life better for everyone, Yeah, not just the... The LGBTI resident living in aged care. That that is such a great idea, Daniela, and it just goes to show that my faith in you as the minister is <laughs> very well placed. <laughs> That's my call to arms. Hey, so good talking to you, my friend. As usual, fantastic talking to you too, Moz. And um, looking forward to our next chat. I wonder what subject Ash will bring to us next time. I don't know. I wonder what the next week's podcast is. Moz, thank you. It's been a joy. You too, mate. Thank you. Thank you.